Good morning. Morning. How is everyone? We have some uh, handouts that uh, are being handed out. It's the same handout that we had last week, so if you don't have it from last week or need another copy, just kind of raise your hand. Um, David and Tom will pass those out. So, if you're new to the class, we're in the book of Ezekiel. We're studying through, going through the book of Ezekiel. Uh, Today we're in chapter 13. We got through all of chapter 12 last week, right? Okay, chapter 13. So, if we go through and we look at uh, the outline of Ezekiel, the first 24 chapters are the prophecies of judgment on Israel. Um, chapters 1 through 4, there is, or 1 through 3, there is a vision, there is the call of Ezekiel. Chapters 4 through 5 are symbolic acts that he performs so that the people can see and maybe that they will understand. Uh, the things that they're doing and, and repent. Um, six through seven are like the indirect prophecies where uh, Ezekiel is front, in front of these uh, symbolic things that he's doing. He's prophesying against uh, the mountains of Israel, the land of Israel. Uh, eight through eleven is the uh, the temple vision. And then chapter 12, we see another symbolic act, actually a couple of symbolic acts that, that Ezekiel performs. One is uh, he's preparing his baggage, is going into captivity, hoping that the people, God hoping that the people would look and understand. And then also he was eating his bread with uh, anxiety. Um, all prophecies of the coming uh, seed captivity that was coming. And in chapter 13, so... You know, not not only in addition to, you know, Ezekiel letting the children of Israel know their sins, the judgment is coming, that they will go into captivity, things of this nature. Another thing that he has to combat is the false prophets. There are false prophets there uh, in the land of Babylon because God tells him to to speak to them, to uh, address them, to prophesy against them. So... He's there, so we know that he's prophesying to them. And then also during this time, this is before you know the, the city's besieged. Three more years before the siege starts, probably another five years before Jerusalem is destroyed. Ezekiel's prophesying to the exiles in Babylon, and then we also have another prophet in Jerusalem who's prophesying pretty much the same thing. Do you remember who that prophet was? Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is is in Jerusalem and he's having to deal with the same issues. He's addressing some of the false prophets that are there. So while he's doing this in Jerusalem, Ezekiel is doing this in Babylon. And also we know that Ezekiel is only able to speak when? Right, when when God says, okay, I want you to speak. Because we found out in chapter 3 that he's not allowed to speak to say any of the things of his own accord. It's, it's, he's only allowed to speak only what God has told him to speak. And in chapter 13 here, 
looking at the first part, in in verse 1, it says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel, who prophesy and say... And say to those who prophesy out of their own heart, hear the word of the Lord. So we see there that it's... Okay. And then also in verse 3, Thus says the Lord, Woe to the foolish prophets who who prophesy, uh, who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Okay. So I guess looking at the summary, the sheet here, uh, says Ezekiel is told to prophesy against the false prophets who prophesy prophesy out of their own heart and follow their own spirit. What, what does that tell you? The message of the false prophets is coming from where? They make it up, right? Yeah. It, it's not coming directly from God, you know, like the prophecies that Ezekiel has. Ezekiel is only speaking only the things that, that God has told him to speak to them. They're prophesying out of their own heart, out of their own spirit. And... You know, the, the next verse, it says, Hear, O Israel, your prophets are like foxes in the deserts. What, what do you think that means? They're like foxes in the desert. What does a fox do? Huh? Okay. What, yeah. Um, but I guess if you look at a fox, it, 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 uh, I guess you could say, you know, when, when there's a location, it, it usually comes in under the cover of darkness. And it takes what? It steals. It takes whatever it wants, right? And the fox has no concern for anything else other than what its own desire is. And then when the daylight comes, the the fox is where? He's gone, right? So God is, is saying these false prophets are similar to foxes. You know, they have their own agenda. They have their own desires. They're taking whatever they want and then... You know, they're leaving. No concern for the people or anything. Um, you know, it says that they're prophesying out of their own heart, out of their own spirit. And then also it says, uh, there it says that they were not able, let's see, in, okay, verse 5, you have, you have gone up into the gaps of the, to build a wall for the house of Israel to, to stand in the day of battle or to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. Uh, and then in verse 6, it starts talking about the false lies and the visions that they're, they're seeing. Or um, they've envisioned futility and false divination. So what is this wall? So they're, they're to build a wall. Are they, are they carpenters? Are they construction workers? They're not able to build a wall that will stand uh, in the day of battle. What do you, you think is being talked about here? Metaphorical, right? What are the false prophets doing? They're not building walls. They're telling lies, right? Out of their own uh, resources, out of their own heart and spirit. So they're building up a wall of, of lies, right? And so... Right. Right. Later on in the chapter, it says that, that the wall will not only fall, but it will come down upon them. Uh, and, and they're building this wall with untempered mortar. So it's a wall that won't stand. And so they're putting up a wall. And, and it says that, you know, I guess if you put up a wall, you know, I've heard of people putting up a wall or something like that. But when you put up a wall and it's a wall of lies, what are you really hiding? You're hiding the truth, right? 
Yeah. So they, they're, they're not able to see that. They're putting up this wall. They're lying to the people. Uh, also, is it in this chapter? Verse 10, if you look down at verse 10, well, let's see, before that, okay, the Lord has spoken. Okay, they, they're spoken nonsense. They've envisioned lies. Uh, before we go to verse 10 there in verse 9, it says the, their punishment is recorded in verse 10. So the punishment of the false prophets here. So the end, it says that uh, the hand will be against the prophets who envision futility and divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, the first thing nor be written in the record of the house of Israel, the second punishment, and in the third, they shall not enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord God. And then in verse 10, uh, we see, it says, because indeed, because indeed, because they have seduced my people, saying peace, when there is no peace, and one builds a wall and they plaster it with untempered mortar. So this wall of lies that they built will, will come down. Uh, you know, the message that they were prophesying is the same thing that Jeremiah was saying. So, uh, over, you know, it, it's a message of peace. Is now a time of peace in, in Jerusalem? Will there be a time of peace there? Or is it a time at that point? It, it's a time of war, right? The Babylonians are fixing to come in and build a siege mount against it and destroy the city. And these false prophets are saying, you don't have to worry about that. Peace, peace. You know, Jeremiah records the same thing in Jeremiah chapter 6 where he says, they have comforted the people of, they have comforted my people a little by saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. So that is the, I guess the lie, the visions that they're, they're telling. Um, okay, we see that God will break down the wall. So we have the prophets there, the prophets of Israel, basically in the first 16 uh, verses. And then in the 17th verse, we switch over and we see the prophetesses. So I guess you could say these are the lady prophets uh, that are also doing the same. Uh, they, they, in verse 17, says they prophesy out of their own heart. They prophesy against them and say, thus says the Lord God. And then God says, Woe to the women who sew magic charms on their sleeves and make veils of the heads of the people of every height to hunt souls. And it says that they hunt the souls of God's people and they themselves they keep alive. And they profane God among the people for handouts of food, killing the innocent and sparing the wicked. So they're keeping... Um, yeah. Sparing the wicked. So the punishment for them is in verses, what is that, 20 through 23 that we have there. You know, the Lord saying that He will take away their charms, their veils, and deliver their people, or His people out of their hands. So false prophets, false prophetesses, lying to the people, saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. Uh, you know, also in, in Jerusalem... When Jeremiah was prophesying, the, the false prophets were also saying that, you know, God's going to bring, you know, the people back. You know, this captivity that Nebuchadnezzar has, you know, that he's taken, those captives will be brought back. But, you know, within three years, the city would be destroyed and everyone would be taken captive. And the main thing is God, they would know that uh, God is the Lord. Okay? 
So, we don't have to deal with this today, do we? We don't have to deal with false prophets, do we? No? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us that these things are no longer possible, right? For, for prophets, you know, prophecy will be done away with because we have that which is complete, which is God's Word. So we don't really have to deal with prophets because we know that they no longer are able to prophesy, similar to the way that uh, Ezekiel was. But, and I have to apologize, these, these verse or chapter references down here at the end of the page here are incorrect. But let's, let's turn over to 2 Peter chapter 2. That says 2 Peter chapter 3. Yeah. Some people claim. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2. And it, it, this here in chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, but there were also false prophets among the people. We, we just read about them there in Ezekiel, uh, you know, chapter 13. Also in, in Jeremiah, it's talking about the false uh, prophets. He said, even as there will be false teachers among you who do what? Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, that's false doctrines, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction, and many people will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, their own desire, what they want, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. So this, this entire chapter deals with false teachers. You know, it, it talks also in verses 4 through... 11 about the the doom of the false teachers, 12 through 17 it looks like the depravity of the false teachers. And then starting in verse 18 and through the end of the chapter, it's talking about, um, I guess you could say, you know, they're they're lying to the people. And if the people believe these words and are deceived, what will be the end of the people who are deceived who follow these heresies, these false doctrines? Sorry? They'll be lost too. They'll be lost too. Exactly. So the the I guess the end of the prophet or the false teacher and the end of the person that believes it and accepts it, their punishment will be the same. Right. Uh, verse 20. Uh, it says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness and having known it, to turn away from the holy commandment delivered to them. So it, I guess you could say that that's kind of a, a warning for us to, to be sure that you know uh, we know the Word. And, and I, I'd heard someone say, you know, what you need to do is just continue to read the Bible, continue to study, and then whenever you hear something that's false or that's not listed in here, you'll you'll know it. Exactly. So instead of trying to to learn all of the false prophecies, if you just learn what is the truth, then you'll know it when it comes along, and you'll be able to avoid it. So the best defense against a, a false teacher is. 
Yep, good offense, knowing the word. Also in Second Peter, or not Second Peter, but Second Timothy. I put First Peter four eleven. I don't know why I did that. It should be Second Timothy, and I think it's in Second Timothy chapter Second Timothy chapter three. It says, "But know this that in the last." Days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents. Let's see. No, I think that's incorrect as well. I think it's chapter 4, verse, verses 1. 2 Timothy chapter 4. That was one chapter off here. Yeah, it says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who would judge the living and the dead at his appearance in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, uh, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And then the warning, but you be watchful. Uh, in all things, endure affliction, do the work in an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Yes? Yep. That's a good comment. Any other thoughts? Good. All right. Chapter 14. So in chapter 14, we see, well, the last time that the elders of Israel had come and sat in Ezekiel's house was back in chapter 8. And then we saw, while he was sitting there, they were in front of him. We saw the, the temple vision, I guess you could say. Here, the elders are back in Ezekiel's house, and they're sitting before him. What are they talking about at this point? Trick question. They're not talking about anything, right? Because... Ezekiel's not going to say anything until the Lord tells him to say something. Okay, so here in chapter 14, verse 1, Now some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me. And the word, so he's sitting there, they're not saying anything. Then the word of the Lord, and then he says, And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Should I let myself be inquired of at all by them? So, it, you know, it's kind of a, I wouldn't say a scary, it may be a scary thing to some, a comforting thing to others, but, you know, Ezekiel doesn't know what's going on in their mind, right? But, but God does, and he's not allowed to know that until God tells him. So it's, you know, God knows the secret things. That's in our heart. He knows what's there. He knows what's if it's truth, if it's our desire to please Him, to worship Him, if we love Him with with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. But He also knows if okay, are there are there idols there? Is there covetousness there? Is there any desire there? So, but God knows that. So even though the elders are coming to Ezekiel to find out. Maybe the truth, because at this point they know he is a prophet. Okay? And then, so the elders of Israel visit Ezekiel. 
God tells him that they have set up idols in their heart. He asks the question, should I be required of them at all? And then God says that he will directly answer that person so that, verse 5, so God says that he will respond to that person. So if someone comes and inquires of the prophet, they have idols set up in their heart, God will answer them directly so that, in verse 5, that I may seize the house of Israel by their heart because they are all estranged from me by their idols. So God is, is interested in the heart. Remember in chapter 11, um, God was going to perform a heart transplant, take the heart of stone out of them, put in them a heart of flesh. So we see God is, is interested in, in, in trying to gain the hearts of the people to be uh, so that they could be His people and He would be their God. Um, in verse 6, I believe, so God's message is always what? Telling them. To repent, right? Because according to chapter 18, God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He wants all of them to repent, to turn. And this is, I mean, this is the reason that they're going into captivity. It's a way to punish His people so that He will have a remnant or those that wanted to serve Him and, and uh, return to Him would. Um, also, some of the things that they were performing, so in verse 7... Oops, sorry. It says, For any of the house of Israel, the strangers who dwell in Israel, who separates himself from me and sets up idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble, uh, then comes to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me. I, the Lord, will answer him uh, by myself. In verses, in verses 8 through 10, I believe, it said they would get, so if they did these things, they had idols set up in their heart, and they came to the prophet to inquire of, of God, then they would receive what was mentioned in verses 8 through 10, which are God would set his face against that man and that he would make him a sign and a proverb. He would cut him off from his people, uh, cut him off from the mess of my people. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Uh, so it, it would be... Uh, Cut off from his people, that would be the result would be death uh, at this time. So he would cut off the false prophets from the land and then also those that uh, had set up idols in their heart. And then we see the reason uh, mentioned in verse 11. So that the house of Israel may no longer stray from me nor be profaned anymore with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people and I may be their God, says the Lord. So the focus, the desire is always um, God wants them to repent so that they will turn and be His people. Uh, so that, verses 1 through through 11 are kind of, uh, I guess, one section of the chapter. And then in verses 12 through the rest of the chapter, uh, 23, we have a different section. And it kind of starts off there in um, 12 through 14 uh, where it's talking about persistent unfaithfulness, which the land of Israel had done. So they were continually, they had set up idols in their heart. And in verse 12 it says, um, The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, this is not just an accident or something of that nature, but it's persistent, consistent 
unfaithfulness. He says, I will stretch out my hand against it, cut off its supply of bread, send famine upon it, and cut off uh, man and beast from it, which is happening, I guess, at this point and will also happen up until uh, the destruction of Jerusalem. It says, but even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. Um, and then if we look throughout the rest of the chapter, we see the different judgments that would God would bring against them. Uh, in 15 through 6, or 12 through 15, we see famine, which had been talked about a little bit here in verse 14. Uh, wild beast in verses 15 through 16. Uh, 17 through 18 would be the sword, and then pestilence in 19 through 20. Um, so I guess you could say the summer I've got, uh, God is completely in control and has many tools at His disposal for punishing those that are persistently unfaithful. And then I thought it interesting because those three men that were mentioned there, Noah, Daniel, and Job, that's, uh, you know, out of all the men that, that God could have picked, um, throughout time, all the way up to this point, those three are mentioned. So, uh, and you know, and it, it's a very few. So, you know, God will not prevent or stop the destruction, I guess, of a land just because the the very few righteous that are uh, in it. Uh, you know, I think back, look at, at Sodom and Gomorrah. Why was Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed? Right. There was a lack of righteous people, right? So there were four, I guess, that made it out of the city. One lived after they got out of the city. So it's, it's very, very few that were righteous in there. But God still went ahead and destroyed that city because of the persistent unfaithfulness of that city. So the righteousness of the few will not save the land in its entirety. And then, you know, Noah, Daniel, and Job. Noah found in the uh, Hebrews chapter 11, we call it the, uh, was it the Hall of Faith? And then also Daniel, who at the time is living in the capital city of Babylon at this time that this book is being written as the time Ezekiel is prophesying. Uh, but his faith is already well known of. Uh, also, you know, in his ability to interpret the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar. Um, but also you see Daniel, uh, I think another good characteristic of Daniel is he purposed in his heart from, from an early age uh, that he was going to obey uh, God. And we see that carried all the way out through, even after the Babylonian captivity was over, when the Medes and Persians came back in and King Darius had him thrown into the den of lions and he was able to survive that uh, because he had done nothing wrong before uh, the king and also before God. So, and then Job is known of his persist, uh, his patience. So, any comments on that? No. Okay. Good. Others. Yep. And, and I think another thing, they were delivered out of those circumstances as well, right? Even though a lot of the other things were evil going on around. Is that the second bell?
Okay. All right. Thanks a lot for your attention. We'll pick up in chapter 15 next week.